Oh, happy Monday. I can't tell you how good it is to be <laughs> to be back on the air. Uh, I was uh, at home not only dealing with some sick kids, but then got sick myself. And uh, that neurovirus that's going around is the real deal. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But it's good to be back with you. And, and this is a big week. Because the primary is tomorrow. And for Democrats, things are going to be pretty straightforward. 117 delegates up for grabs. And for the for the Democrats, it's very simple. The Republicans, meanwhile, have an issue. Because the Democrats in the state of Michigan moved the primary up. That doesn't jive with the RNC's guidelines of having it in the month of March. And so with it being tomorrow in the month of February, the GOP is 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 left with a, 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 a two part system. One of them, of course, the primary 16 of the delegates uh, of Michigan's 55 uh, national delegates will be awarded to the primary winner. The rest, the other 39, will be decided at a state party convention on Saturday. So uh, uh, certainly a new way of doing things here. And and we've talked a lot about this after it became apparent that 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 the way that this was moved up in the calendar was going to be detrimental to Republicans is is because the RNC wasn't able to to maneuver as well. It puts Michigan Republicans in a tough spot. Now, there are some that say that Republican voters are going to be disenfranchised. Because if everybody can go out and vote, right, in your in your primary, you're only going to be awarded 16 delegates. It's a, a tough pill to swallow if you're Republicans. And for those inside the Michigan GOP that will be at this party convention, I mean, they're going to essentially be able to cast a vote twice. In, in an effort to award delegates to a particular candidate. And this comes after Nikki Haley lost to Donald Trump in her home state of South Carolina this weekend. It was uh, not necessarily a surprising outcome, but I think after the fact, Nikki Haley saying she's going to stay around. By the way, she joined All Talk this morning. We'll play that interview, if you missed it, for you coming up at 318. Because I think she had some interesting things to say, and then I'm going to be a little nitpicky because I think at this point in her at this point in her campaign, that's where we're at. We're going to start nitpicking with with a a clear path ahead of Donald for Donald Trump. Nikki Haley is going to need to pull a miracle out of her hat, and I'm not quite sure that she's going to be able to do it. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the primary tomorrow. Just wanted to set the table because it is going to be a, a, a new day, especially when you consider we've had, you know, seven days, eight days of early voting uh, thus far. So uh, a, a whole different format, essentially, here in the state of Michigan. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Meanwhile, much of the national attention continues to be down in the state of Georgia. After Lakin Riley, the 22-year-old Augusta University College uh, nursing student, was killed uh, by... Uh, Hosea Barra, who is uh, an undocumented immigrant in the United States, came here in September of 2022, 
married somebody who says that they knew each other for their whole lives to to join their asylum cases. She, the the wife of Jose Ibarra, is speaking out. And she is, to a certain extent, coming to the defense of her husband, saying, yesterday when he was arrested, my brother-in-law called me early to say he'd been arrested. We got married so we could join our asylum cases. He was the person I thought I could see through. We've known each other our entire lives. He wasn't aggressive. We had problems as a couple, but our problems weren't physical. He wouldn't punch, but we'd raise our voices. I want to talk to him. I have a lot of faith that this wasn't him, that there was a misunderstanding somewhere. But if he did, he has to pay for what he did truly. And once again, the spotlight on whether or not the... The crisis at the southern border is is entering a new territory where we are seeing police getting attacked. We are seizing, seeing brazen crime being committed by some people who are coming here illegally. Now, to say that the crimes aren't committed if they aren't coming across the border is false. That's just not true. But to a family of a student who is trying to jog a a very well-traveled college trail and then gets killed for that family the question is well if that person wasn't allowed in or went through the proper channels would would my daughter be here today and i think that's the troubling question that not only uh her family has to deal with but but i i think for a lot of americans that are making that that want the president that want the Biden administration to make this a big deal, to make this a top priority. Um, the fact that they aren't or haven't when they could have, uh, I think is troubling to a lot of people. Meanwhile, the thought of implementing electrodes into the brain for treatment of depression may seem extreme, but for millions of Americans who suffer from the disorder, it may offer some real hope. Some researchers say treatment is still unproven and more study is needed. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne has more on this groundbreaking treatment and how soon it may be available. Hi, Marie. Hi, Chris. So this uh, treatment is called Deep Brain Stimulation, or DBS, and it's designed to help about 3 million Americans who deal with the treatment of treatment-resistant depression. The treatment gives patients targeted electrical impulses, much like a pacemaker for the brain. So far, only a few hundred patients have been treated with this procedure. The brain surgery takes place. The patient is sedated but awake. Thin metal electrodes are placed in the region of the brain called the subcolossal clingulate cortex. And in this area, that's where the emotional behavior lies. The electrodes are then connected by an internal wire to a device placed under the chest of the skin that will control the amount of electrical stimulation and it delivers a constant low voltage pulse. Doctors say the stimulation helps because electricity speaks the brain's language. Neurons communicate using electrical and chemical signals. Now, according to doctors at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, they've had a few hundred patients there. For normal brains, electrical activity bounces around the brain unimpeded. But in the person who's depressed, the activity gets stuck in the brain's emotional circuitry. 
So, Chris, some researchers say DBS is uh, not the silver bullet for depression. Again, this is for treatment-resistant depression. There are at least two large studies that showed no advantage to using this treatment. However, other research is showing that it might help in about 60% of the cases. And right now, the Food and Drug Administration has agreed to speed up its review of Abbott Laboratories' request to use DBS devices for the treatment, again, of treatment-resistant depression. How, how long have they been been uh, researching this type of technology? So about 20 years this has been, wow. they've uh, at least in this realm. Sure. I mean, they, you know, they're... Getting it is, deep into the tissue of the, of the brains. And they're, or, or understanding that that's where depression might be living, and, and and how the brains differ from people who don't have this disorder and the ones who do about how there's this. I thought it was interesting how the electrical neurons are like interrupted in an, in a person who has uh, depression. And you want them to just have this connection and the electrical currents are what deliver that. You know, I it's you know, you you partner this with what Elon Musk is doing mm-hmm. with the Neuralink uh, research that that's going on. There's just so much about the brain that we still don't know. There's so many unanswered questions yeah. about our brain, about the human brain. That when you're starting to to probe, uh, I guess pun intended, in these types of research and this type of technology, it. it it's a, it's a whole new frontier to a certain extent, even though this has been underway for 20 years or so. Well, any doctor will tell you that this is a part of medicine that we know very, very little about. And certainly we've made huge strides in the last 50 years in understanding how our brain works. Here, here we are talking about making, you know, implanting something in the brain to help people who are depressed instead of taking a pill. Mm-hmm. That's a huge step forward. But they, you know, any doctor will tell you there's just a lot up there we don't understand. No doubt. Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, Donald Trump off a big win in South Carolina. His national press secretary, Caroline Levitt, joins me as we continue on on JR Afternoon. So Donald Trump with a big win in South Carolina over Nikki Haley, who, you know, her team thought that a lot of the polling wasn't wasn't indicative of what they were hearing on the ground, what they were seeing behind closed doors. But at the end of the day, um, a, another 20-point victory for for the former president um, certainly puts him on the fast track to, to the nomination. And certain shakeups at the RNC, um, Donald Trump seems to be setting himself up very nicely to be the GOP representative once again in, in, a, in a clash to what most people expect to be uh, President Joe Biden and Donald Trump once again. Uh, Caroline Levitt's the National Press Secretary for the Trump campaign, and she joins us. Caroline, it's good to have you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it, especially ahead of your state's big primary tomorrow. And we encourage everyone to please get out and vote. We can continue this momentum and sending a very strong message to the Democrats in November. Well, talk to me about that momentum, because uh, as, as I mentioned the Haley campaign thought that they were going to be able to keep things really close in South Carolina. Obviously, uh, Donald Trump pulled away at the end in, in almost uh, the same numbers that we saw in Iowa, a 20 point percentage win. Um, what does that momentum mean for Donald Trump heading into Michigan tomorrow and then and then certainly going into Super Tuesday? 
Well, he most certainly has all of the momentum on his side now. As you just mentioned, we had a massive victory in Iowa, President Trump beating the rest of the field by more than 30 points. He beats Nikki Haley by double digits in New Hampshire. He won all of the delegates in Nevada. Nikki Haley didn't even compete in the caucus there. She lost to literally none of the above on the primary ballot. And then President Trump served her another deafening blow in her own backyard. The people who know her best rejected her by more than 20 points. President Trump receiving 44 delegates from the great Palmetto State. And so at this point, uh, it's mathematically impossible for anyone other than President Trump to be the Republican nominee. We've been saying this would be the case for months, but that man continues to prove himself with every state that he competes in. And so heading into Michigan tomorrow, you know, we're focused now on sending a message, not only uh, to Nikki Haley, but more importantly to Joe Biden and to the Democrats and to the radical establishment that is trying to ruin our country, that President Trump is going to be the Republican nominee of the party and the American people want to reelect him again as president. And so that's why we encourage everyone to get out again tomorrow. Uh, we don't want to be complacent in any state while we have all the momentum and the Republican Party is now fully unified around the president. Uh, we still want to get out in mass record of numbers uh, to, again, show that we're, we're not we're coming to play in every single state in November, including Michigan. You know, uh, coming up later in the show, later in the hour, 248, we're going to talk about President Biden's and, and the relationship that he has with unions, particularly the UAW. Donald Trump met with the Teamsters recently uh, in a meeting he said was uh, was productive and and mm-hmm. was productive in a in a really positive way for him and the Republican Party. Uh, in fact, uh, I saw a report that the Teamsters was going to make a donation to the RNC for the first time in many, many years. And and while there's no been no uh, uh, endorsement by that particular union, there does seem to be um, a, a at least a union lean uh, among some rank and file uh, union workers uh, for Donald Trump. D- does he uh, how, how does he look uh, at a state like Michigan with a lot of union workers um, and, and, and the type of, of state that we are here uh, in, in Michigan, how does he view the state? President Trump loves the state of Michigan. He loves union workers. He loves the American worker. And that's why he did so much to help union workers and laborers across this country in his first term in office. And that's why, you know, it's frustrating to see sometimes uh, the heads of these unions, as you mentioned, UAW uh, and others that decide to go against the will of their own voters and endorse uh, Joe Biden, who has been disastrous for the American worker. I mean, just look at Biden's open border policy right now. They have allowed nearly 10 million illegal people into this country. They don't have a plan to deport any of them. As a matter of fact, Biden is pushing for 2.5 million legal work permits for these illegal people to come and take American jobs, right? Good paying uh, jobs from our hardworking laborers and union workers across every industry in this country. And you also have Biden's economic record and record high inflation wages uh, are not keeping up with the pace of inflation in Joe Biden's America. None of this was the case under President Trump. Joe Biden and Obama and politicians on both sides of the aisle have long said that they're a champion for union workers. Their records don't show it. President Trump does. 
He had the lowest unemployment uh, in history under his administration. He renegotiated NAFTA, the disastrous trade deal, and signed into the USMCA. He punished China with brutal tariffs that helped American workers and brought jobs back here home. So if you look at the records of Biden and Trump, they're really incomparable on this issue. And if you're a worker in Michigan listening to this right now, it's best for you and your pocketbook and your family to vote for Donald Trump to rebuild our economy for another four years. You know, a a number of years ago, uh, when I was the executive producer for Frank Beckman here on WJR, uh, the president invited us out to Washington, D.C. We did a show from from the White House uh, and and uh, we got to go to the Oval Office with the president and interview him uh, in the Roosevelt Room. And at that time, uh, there were a number of, of investigations going on against him, whether it was Russia or, or a number of others. Uh, and he, he talked about how they were politically motivated. Then he, he continues to maintain that a number of these cases, charges he, that he's facing continues to be politically motivated. How how concerned is he with those cases in front of him? Uh, and and is that why Nikki Haley continues to stay in this race in the event that Donald Trump can't run? Uh, she'll be there. Well, a lot of people do say that about Nikki Haley, that she's serving the interests of the Democrat Party who want to remove President Trump illegally and unconstitutionally off of the ballot. They want to take away the will and the right of American voters across this country to decide their nominee. And now Nikki Haley is doing the bidding of Democrats. I mean, just look at just follow the money. Look at where her donations are coming in. They're coming in from top Democrat donors, such as Reid Hoffman, who have funded some of the very same political witch hunts and lawsuits that we're seeing against President Trump right now. Uh, so that as for that, uh, you know, her her uh, her intentions in this race have become pretty clear. Uh, but as for President Trump, he is fighting tooth and nail against every single one of these sham cases. And the truth is slowly but surely being revealed in all of them. You know, you look at Fulton County, Georgia, what's happening right now with the allegations about Fannie Willis and her alleged lover who are who's prosecuting President Trump in that case. There was a story out this morning saying that sources are saying that the Biden administration actually implanted someone in Fannie Willis's office to help her go after President Trump. We know Letitia James in New York, who's bringing on another sham case, met with the Biden White House months before indicting the president in his home state. Uh, you know, so every single one of these cases share similarities. They're all being brought by far left Democrat prosecutors who are partisan, who are abusing their position of power to target the former president and help Joe Biden. And all of them are happening at the same time. That is not a coincidence. These are election interference cases happening in the midst of an election where Joe Biden is incredibly weak. President Trump is strong because people remember just how much better their lives were. Uh, So we have the truth on our side. President Trump has the best legal team in the business. He will continue to fight this in the courtroom and on the campaign trail. And we're confident, ultimately, truth and justice, God bless, will prevail. I have 30 seconds left here. The president's base is so strong, but going forward, especially into tomorrow's primary, uh, what is the message for people who are might be on the fence about Donald Trump, maybe want to support Nikki Haley, maybe are 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 independent and, and could see this thing going both ways? What's the message? A vote for Nikki Haley is a vote for Joe Biden. You need to get out and vote for President Trump to make this country great again. He secured our border. He made our communities safer. He restored peace around this world. The first president in the modern era not to get us into new wars. He rebuilt our economy. He's more determined than ever to do all of that and more. 
So get out, make your voices heard against the Democrats and the establishment who are trying to destroy our country. We cannot afford four more years of Joe Biden. Can we imagine what America would look like with four more years of him in the White House? It would be a completely unrecognizable nation. So tomorrow's your chance to go out and make your voice heard. Thank you so much for having me. Yep, you got it. That's Caroline Levitt, the press secretary for the Trump campaign. Got to take a break. More next. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I, I, um, you know, I, I've been pretty spot on when it comes to, you know, when it was Chris Christie's time, when it was Tim Scott's time. I, I feel like I've been pretty spot on when, when, when these runs are at an end, when, when these campaigns have gone as far as they can, and, and that's it. Um, I, I've been pretty spot on with them. It feels like if Nikki Haley couldn't pull within 20% of Donald Trump in her home state, it's it's really not a good sign. Really isn't a good sign. Now, Nikki Haley joined All Talk today. We'll replay that interview if you missed it coming up at 318. Um, and, and look, the idea here is that Nikki Haley says that she is in it as an alternative. That if 70% of Americans don't want Joe Biden or or Donald Trump, that she is an alternative. And she has become much more willing to hurl grenades at Donald Trump, to, to use much harsher rhetoric for her former boss. But But it's difficult for me to see a path forward for Nikki Haley. It's difficult for me to see where in her home state she cannot pull within 20% of Donald Trump. That's that's not a good sign for for a guy who you know faces a number of charges has to pay millions and millions of dollars back in either fines or pay- payment to vic but I mean it, it's it feels very it feels like a very difficult road to travel. And I, I don't I don't see the path for Nikki Haley. I don't see the path where she has an opportunity to to score enough delegates. Like tomorrow. So you've got a a, a, a less than half of the Republican delegates will be awarded to the primary winner. The other half will be awarded via a convention next weekend. Like, is Nikki Haley going to pick up any of those delegates in the state of Michigan? I I don't know. I, I don't know. It it feels like it would be very difficult to see a path for that. But maybe. Because even for for those that, you know, this 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 kind of civil war that we're seeing inside the Michigan GOP, like those that are that that voted to oust Christina Caramo as the chair of the, the state party. Like, those are still Donald Trump Republicans. Those are still Trump loyalists, part of the Trump base. That doesn't change. They just, they don't necessarily want to see Christina Caramo in charge. So it it feels like a very difficult path for Nikki Haley to travel. But it was a big win for Donald Trump in South Carolina. And... And it uh, again, it sets for me Donald Trump up very nicely. It 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 makes things a little bit more easy when early in the primary calendar he had to face his opponent's you know state, 
and and pass with flying colors. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Dave's in Rochester. Hello, Dave. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm good. The the uh, spokesperson for Trump, I, I, I couldn't keep up with the, uh, we'll, we'll kindly call it misinformation. Uh, the the unemployment was the lowest ever. No, it's it the 12,000 year 2000 Clinton, as well as these last 12 months had lower unemployment. The wages have indeed outstripped resulting inflation. I mean, I'll give you the specific numbers. Uh, for people. It's a lie that keeps being repeated. It's this is the last 36 months, 14.58, the consumption inflation, the nominal wage growth is 17.97. So, and let's keep going. He, he rebuilt the economy. The Trumponomics two-year tax cut, if you take away the COVID years as a third year, just take the first two years, the debt increased at a greater rate than the GDP. That's precisely why the debt as a percent of GDP rose 5% as opposed to gone down over these past three years where GDP growth has not only outstripped the resulting growth in debt, it, out, it far outpaced what the CBO said before the administration began as far as what these three years res, results, economy, GDP, and debt growth would be. President Xi, China, I mean, did you take a look at the statements during COVID, how we praised them left and right? I mean, there's like nine different times in in, in the course of the first uh, first six months of the COVID outbreak. So uh, point by point, uh, I, 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 I don't see where these facts are coming from. Well, fair enough, Dave. I, I mean, you know, again, I think that this is this is where Donald Trump is going to to make the most to make his points is that whether it's international conflict and I appreciate the call, whether it's international conflict or or inflation, um, which which certainly flared up under Joe Biden. I mean, the the passage of of spending bills in the trillions now um, are are issues. And and look, I, I don't I don't know that anybody says Donald Trump was perfect or his policies were perfect, but I think that that what people are gravitating towards now, and this is where I, you know I, we'll talk a little bit about it later on. After the Nikki Haley interview at at three eighteen, or excuse me, uh, yeah, three eighteen, is is there doesn't seem to be a driving away of people. Donald Trump seems to be gaining support back, and and I think that a lot of people look at what's happening now, right? And and Dave, I I know Dave gets into the numbers heavily. Real smart guy, but but people don't necessarily that doesn't resonate with people. What what they see is. There is a, a crisis at the southern border. There is an issue in schools. There is not one but two international conflicts that need the United States' attention. And none of that was happening under Donald Trump. Or at least there were steps being taken to try to mitigate some of those factors. So I think that that's what it boils down to for a lot of voters. Doug's in Dearborn. What's up, Dougie? Yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, uh chime in the uh nikki haley i think she's just in it to uh keep putting bad uh ideas in people's minds about trump 
her uh, her donor class is basically from the left, and they're going to mm. keep funding her as long as she keeps, uh, you know, trying to make Trump look bad. So that's my thought. I guess I'd have to see where a, where a majority of her donations are coming from. I, I haven't looked at that recently. Um, I, I, you know, Nikki Haley for me is a conservative. Nikki Haley, uh, in my mind, is somebody who um, has certainly flown the, the, the Republican conservative flag for a very long time. Um, I actually believe her when she says that she is an alternative to Donald Trump. But but I guess my question is, Doug, is do Republicans view that truly um, as a as a necessary move right now? Like, do we do Republicans need an alternative to Donald Trump? No, I think I think most of the the conservatives that I know, they're all you know, they're all gung ho for Trump. So, yeah, I don't know where she gets all of her numbers, too. So. Well, I, I mean, look, I, it's I mean, it's fair I, internally. You know, these these campaigns, they have different uh, groups that that poll and different groups that look at certain things. So that's where they get a lot of that numbers internally. But um, yeah, and I just to me, I, I what I am seeing, I'm not so sure that people are looking for an alternative, especially on the right. But, Doug, I, I appreciate yeah, I the look, call. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you do the same. But look, I, there are absolutely Republicans that are never Trumpers. There are people that are that that don't want Donald Trump. Certainly, I don't. I don't think that is a secret. But when it comes to a consolidation, when it comes for the when it comes time for the party to pull together, um, it it does feel like this is where it's headed. It's headed towards Donald Trump. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, Merrick Masters will join us next. We'll talk about. Uh, the, the the unions and how they play a role into into this upcoming election. We'll do that as we continue on JR Afternoon. In the meantime, look, it's been a, 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 a frosty couple of days here. It's been cold, been windy, and certainly uh, under those conditions, what gets highlighted? Your windows. You don't want things to be drafting your doorways. You want to make sure everything's all nice and and tight inside your house to make sure that you're not uh, running your HVAC too too hard or you're able to keep things uh, insulated in a proper way and you don't want your bills to get out of control. That's why I partnered with Window World. Uh, I went and visited the Sheena family at Window World. I learned about the solutions that they offered to keep your home comfortable, to keep things affordable in your homes, things running efficient. And I knew they'd be a great partner here on JR Afternoon. And you've heard them on the Inside Outside guys for years. And they have been a champion of Window World because the Sheena family knows what they're doing. They've been doing this for years. They offer windows, doors, garage doors, uh, siding that adds value to your home, certainly, and lots more. And Window World exterior products help you reduce energy costs. They help increase your safety and security um, because, uh, by the way, the value of your home, this is the most valuable thing you have. So working with the Sheenas is easy. That's priority number one. You want somebody that you can trust. The Sheenas do that. They provide great low pricing, guaranteed low pricing right up front. They got flexible financing options, expert installation, and the best warranty in the industry. So for a free home installation estimate, windows, doors, siding, whatever you need, call 800-WINDOW-WORLD or visit their showroom on Haggerty Road in Commerce Township or go to windowworlddetroit.com. That's windowworlddetroit.com. All right, with Michigan's primary tomorrow... I want to take a little bit of a look at how the rank and file, the union workers could could shake up this election and, and what their voice, 
what their input could mean. Uh, if you go back to 2022, uh, there were about 564,000 rank and file union members in the state of Michigan. Uh, that is is down over the last couple of years from what it was uh, even even going back a, a couple of years ago. So the reality is, is Democrats have made it a huge priority to get unions on their side for decades. And for the most part, uh, unions have been uh, reliably blue. But Donald Trump has made an effort, certainly, to win over unions, including the Teamsters recently, who, according to some reports, were planning on making a donation to the RNC, something they hadn't done in many, many years. And with with President Biden trying to to stand on the union shoulders as a real effort to to push his reelection efforts, not only nationally, but here in the state of Michigan. Is it is it realistic that union workers, the rank and file, are sticking with Democrats? Merrick Masters is a professor of business at the Department of Management and Information Systems at the Michael School of Business and a, a labor expert. And he joins us. Uh, Merrick, it's great to have you back. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I, I want to take it back a little bit. The president went and stood on the picket lines with UAW members during the negotiations with the big three. First president in modern American history to to do that. Uh, Donald Trump meeting with the Teamsters. And, and he says it was a very productive meeting. Now, all of these uh, efforts by these political figures has to mean they understand how important, how valuable those union votes are going to be. Yes, they certainly do understand, particularly in a state where the election is bound to be close and it's important to amassing the electoral votes needed to win. How do endorsements work from from up top? Uh, from the heads of these unions, how how big of an influence is that to to the workers? Well, I think workers listen to the endorsement, but I don't think that that is really determinative for many of them. I think that the endorsement has to reflect an underlying psychology on their part to support the candidate. And while the leadership of the labor movement has been overwhelmingly blue uh, for several decades. Uh, membership to a great extent has broken ranks and it's very depending on the candidate and the times. And right now you have a situation in which labor is a smaller percentage of the workforce than it was decades ago. Mm -hmm. And that lessens its overall strength in determining the outcome of an election. But it can be influential in terms of deciding a close election and therefore each candidate wants to maximize performance. I think that I saw a poll recently that indicated that uh, by, Trump was ahead of Biden 46 to 41. I also saw the Fox poll in the Washington Post article uh, published today that indicated that Biden was ahead by 12 points. It's, you're bound to see these differences. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that a lot of it's going to depend on the enthusiasm of the voters on Election Day. Not so much in this primary, although that will be an important signal as to the future, but in the general election. When it when it comes to uh, these uh, these unions and where they decide to throw their support behind, um, what do they look at? What are the what are the driving factors of of a presidential candidate that 
that they look at and, and what makes it most appealing for, for their support? Well, they're going to look at their ideology on labor legislation, whether they support labor law reform, whether they support uh, prevailing wage and contracts that promote unionized business. Those are the kinds of things that they look at as much as more general policies. Um, in some cases, you know, you may have like in the Vietnam War, the Vietnam War was an important consideration. Um, but um, there are lots of other things which go into it, mainly economic and labor related things will be the determining factor and what the leadership does. But again, <clears throat> the leadership will make its recommendation. It almost is invariably supporting the Democratic presidential candidate. But what matters is what the rank and file do. And depending upon the candidate, again, and the times, you can have a lot of disaffection with the um, leadership of the party that is endorsed by the uh, union. Uh, the Washington Post story that you mentioned uh, that was published today focuses on a guy named James Benson. Uh, he works at the Dearborn factory in Ford uh, for, for Ford. And you know, he talked a lot about why he was voting for Donald Trump. He voted previously for Barack Obama twice, voted for Donald Trump in 2020. Uh, uh, and and what's interesting is he talked about uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. He talked about the F-150, the tax credits that were given. And, and he said, well, it's great. That's $9.2 billion of my taxpayer money you threw into the furnace uh, it's insulting. It's irritating. It's frustrating. How has this push towards electrification uh, impacted these rank and file, at least from an auto perspective, unions views on politics? Well, I think this is a schism that exists between the rank and file and the leadership. Um, and the leadership is sensitive to this reality. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of workers are uncertain about the extent to which the country is ready at this point in time for electrical vehicles. They're concerned about which the heavy hand that government is using to push electrical vehicles, and that includes the subsidies that promote electrical vehicles. And they see the news on a daily basis with companies that produce electrical vehicles are not doing as well, that consumer demand for them is down, and they wonder what's going to happen if these subsidies should someday dry up, mm. and also what's going to happen to the industry if China gets a foothold in our market with lower cost electrical vehicles that can surpass domestic production. It may be a replay of the 1970s and 1980s in which a new form or a new source of entry into competition deflates the U.S. Sure. market. No, it, it, it's a, a really good point. Merrick Masters, great stuff as always. Great insight. Thanks again for the expertise. Thanks for having me. Take care and have a good day. Yep, you do the same. That's Merrick Masters at Wayne State. All right, we got to take a break. We'll get some more of your calls, your texts. Coming up next as we continue on JR Afternoon. All right, 3 o'clock hour. Do either of you, Danielle, Brian, do you use Gmail? Is that, do you have a personal yeah. email? Is Gmail? Absolutely. Did you see the hoax that was going around? No. That G, that Google was going to uh, uh, sunset Gmail? Oh, please. Yeah. It was and, posted on X. And people were believing it. It was a. Uh, it, it was it was it was basically a doctored uh, uh, version of an email that was sent out by 
Gmail and Google. It looked very convincing. <laughs> and millions and millions and millions and millions of people saw it and started to panic. Right. I mean, because what do you do? You've got everything linked to, to your personal email. That's true. Now, Especially my Google, my personal email. Um, is Yahoo. <laughs> I know people always laugh at me, but that's the email that I had when I started yeah. my first email. Yeah. Uh, Gmail wasn't even around yet. You were on AOL.com? I was not on AOL.com. <laughs> I was part of the Yahoo uh, oh, okay. uh, phase. Uh, real quick, though, uh, I'll give you my person, my first email address. Uh-oh. All right. My first, This was the word that was very popular <laughs> when I was growing up. All right. Da bomb. Ooh. Da bomb. 891 US was my, <laughs> at yahoo.com, was my first email address. And I feel fine saying that now because it doesn't exist anymore. Because you're not da bomb anymore. Because I'm not da bomb anymore. Yeah. Uh, Just so, as Jake and Henry, they know. So that's not embarrassing at all <laughs> that that was my first email. Uh, but people were freaking out about Gmail sunsetting or Google sunsetting uh, Gmail. Uh, people were, were, and I think rightfully uh, concerned when you consider how much is connected to your personal email. Uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has filed a lawsuit to block the merger of Kroger and Albertsons because they say it would eliminate competition. It would threaten uh, access to affordable grocery stores. And, and that merger was going to be a huge one. I mean, an absolute behemoth, $24.6 billion dollars in consolidation had been under uh, scrutiny since that it was announced in October of 2022. Uh, Kroger and Albertson claimed that the merger was uh, was the only way that they could compete with Amazon and Walmart. Federal regulators uh, said it would have a ripple effect felt by uh, customers, employees, suppliers, that they'd be able to essentially price gouging. When, when you look at all of the the chains and the grocery stores that Kroger or Albertsons owns. I mean, it's basically everybody, basically everything. So the, the fact that, that you would have like a, a one company monopoly, uh, that would basically, uh, uh, the FTC said we're not, we, we, we can just, it can't allow that to happen. Uh, the solar eclipse is coming. Did you see this? People love the eclipses. Why? You don't see them every day. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. a cool thing. All right. Uh, it will uh, happen April 8th, and it's going to come through a, a big chunk of the country. Uh, in fact, I think even, I mean, if you're in the southeast, eastiest part of Michigan, like Temperance, Erie, that area of Michigan, you might be able to catch it. Uh, the fringes of it, but there are hotels in its path like Cleveland, uh, you know, kind of going right up the the middle of the country, uh, going up into the the Northeast that the, you know, there's, there are flights. I think Delta is offering specific flights at specific times. So you could see the eclipse from bigger windows. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that would be nuts. People travel from all over the world to see a solar eclipse. So no, it's it is. It's, it's I mean probably I, a big boon to those economies. In those I cities. get it. There's no doubt. But different uh, hotels, hotel chains are offering uh, special packages uh, to to catch this thing. When do we? But leave? It, it will be a full uh, a full 
uh, solar eclipse. When do we leave? I yeah. don't know. When are we going? Yeah, let's do it. Just the, the Ann's office is right down there. We just okay. need to go I'll get it approved. To we'll get we'll do the flight. We won't do the hotel. We'll oh, that's great. Flight. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's still approved. There's there's plenty of money in the budget for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, uh, totally, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, also, how about this? Uh, so Donald Trump is going to be at the southern border. So is Joe Biden. Hey, let's go see the mess. Uh, Joe Biden will be down on Thursday. According to sources briefed on the matter, uh, this is according to the New York Times. It, and and there are many people that are saying that if Joe Biden's going down there, uh, there's probably a good reason. And that's because, look, whether you agree with it or not, uh, people are concerned about it. People up here are concerned about it. I mean, I've heard people say, well, you live in Michigan. Who cares? I mean, yeah, you, you do care. I mean, the, the ripple effects are enough to where we, it, you feel it, you understand it, uh, you understand the impacts that it can have outside of just people. But we we have seen the effects of it, right? Whether it's the high end robberies in places like Birmingham, where uh, groups of of uh, you know, these crime groups from like Honduras are are up and robbing expensive homes. Or, you know, different parts in the automotive chain that aren't able to come up because uh, issues at the at the southern border. So I think all across the board, it's it's pretty clear uh, that everybody needs to be concerned about it. Uh, real quick, I want to go to John in Clinton Township here before we go to Marie Osborne, uh, uh, because he's throwing it back old school with the email as well. Hey, John. John. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. It's Scott, but that's a good try. Oh, Scott. All right. My bad, Scott. 1996, I got my first laptop, and AOL is still my email address to this day. Look at you, Scott. Don't give it out because you still have it. But, yeah, that's old school. I'm keeping it forever. Good for you. Good for you. All right, Scott. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm still still riding with Yahoo as my my personal email. I don't don't know. It's what I had, and it's what I'm used to. Uh, I'm coming off a nasty stomach bug. My whole family, we... uh, uh, I, I saw a report that the CDC says neurovirus is on the rise. I can attest it's true. It is certainly on the rise. Uh, it, it caught us last week. But those on a Norwegian cruise ship, thousands of passengers being denied permission to dock over fears of a possible cholera outbreak on board. Unbelievable. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne joins us with the very latest on that crisis, certainly. Hi, Marie. And a lot of people are keeping an eye on this. The Norwegian Dawn has more than 2,000 passengers on board, 1,000 crew members. The ship was wrapping up a 12-day voyage from Cape Town, South Africa. Mauritius is an island on the in the Indian Ocean. They wanted to dock there, but when the ship arrived there on Sunday, health officials said they boarded that ship and took samples for testing from 15 people who had gotten sick on board. Those passengers have been isolated now, and test results should be available tomorrow. What they're worried about, what they're testing for, is cholera. It's an infection that causes severe diarrhea and dehydration. It is rare in the developed world, and it's almost always fatal if it's left untreated. 
It is among the very deadliest diseases in the world. This has been a logistical nightmare for travelers. Officials say that because of the quarantine, more than 2,000 passengers who were supposed to be boarding the ship for the next cruise to Madagascar in South Africa, well, that trip's now been suspended for the time being. People on the ship, of course, can't get off to get home. The cruise line says it's heightened its sanitation procedures. And, Chris, there have been a number of cholera outbreaks in South African countries Mm. over the last few months and they are very much afraid that this is what they're dealing with so what are they how, how are they treating folks what what's the what, what are they doing well they're you know they they can be treated with um they're making sure they're hydrated yeah and there there is medication i believe they do treat them with antibiotics i'm mm-hmm. not certain about that but i do believe there's some treatment with that involved but they they need to make sure that that's what they're dealing with they're going to know that within the next 24 hours but Oof. the fact that they even had to test for that has really yeah. sent up a lot of red flags around the world. No doubt about it. Uh, Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. All right, we got to take a break. Next, Nikki Haley joined All Talk this afternoon. We'll play you that interview as we continue on JR Afternoon. All right, ahead of the primary tomorrow, Nikki Haley checked in with the boys at All Talk, Tom Jordan, Kevin Dietz, and I wanted to bring you the interview. Uh, listen in. Uh, you decided to stay in the race. Uh, what are your expectations here in Michigan? Look, 70% of Americans don't want to see a Trump-Biden rematch. 60% of Americans think Donald Trump's too old. 60% think Joe Biden's too old to be president. They're the two most disliked politicians in America. If you look at the first um, early primary states, Donald Trump has not received 40% of the vote. American people want a choice. They want to be able to have their voices heard. We think it's important. I know that Donald Trump wants to push me out of this race, but the reality is we don't anoint kings in America. And the way I look right now, the Republican Party is a ship with a hole in it. And they can either ignore the hole or they can wait until it sinks. But Donald Trump cannot become president. It won't happen. He can't win. You can't lose 40% of Republicans. And you look at the head-to-head, you see he can't beat Joe Biden. Their margin of error. I defeat Joe Biden by 18 points. At some point, Republicans have to understand that there's three problems here. One, you have an electability issue with Donald Trump. Two, you've got the fact that he is responsible for eight of the $34 trillion in debt, eight trillion in four years. And you've got Republicans and Democrats spending like drunken sailors and Donald Trump showing no signs of wanting to correct that. And then you look at our national security and you see this isolationist um, approach that Donald Trump is trying to push, push. America can never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends. There is, and we've seen this side and side again, and I think those are it's major warning signs for the Republican Party. There is another path. Uh, you could run no labels and run against Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Could you win? Would you consider that? I'm a Republican. I'm running in a Republican primary. I think that's what's important. And look, it's not about me or my political career. It's the fact that Republicans cannot ignore that Donald Trump does not get 40 percent of the vote. You can put your head in the sand all you want, but you are on a sinking ship and we will have a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris. 
And if Donald Trump is the nominee, we will have a President Kamala Harris. And that should send a chill up everyone's spine. I want to get into a couple issues, if we could. Uh, and very few people, uh, especially candidates, political candidates, want to touch this one. They've wanted to not touch the issue of Social Security. Uh, but we do know, as you've touched on, that it is at risk of going insolvent in just a few years if we continue on this current course. Um, it's unsustainable. So you've come out, you've come up with a plan to deal with this, this growing need in this country. What is your plan for Social Security? The first thing is we don't touch anybody who's already in the system. People, America should keep their promises. We don't want to cut Social Security for anybody that's in the system. But what we do want to acknowledge is it's going bankrupt in 10 years. And so we have to make sure that we we get in front of it. And the way we do that is we change the rules for those new coming into the system, those like my kids in their 20s. We change the rules for them. We make it more comparable to life, retirement age to life expectancy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do increases based on inflation. We cut benefits on the mega wealthy. And we expand Medicare Advantage plans because seniors love that and, and it's more competition. If you look at what Donald Trump wants to do, he's saying he's not going to deal with it. Joe Biden's actually saying the same thing. And that means when they leave office, everybody's going to get a 24% cut in their benefits. We can't allow that to happen. We have to save it. The second thing is we have to stop Republicans and Democrats from raiding Social Security. You look at all the spending they're doing on all the things that don't matter and all these pet projects. It's got to stop. You mentioned national security, and we have the U.S.-Mexico border right now in a crisis mode. And there are some who believe it's just too far gone to meaningfully uh, reduce the, the risks national security-wise within, within our own country. So how do you handle both stopping the millions of illegal immigrants who are pouring across the border, but also how would you deal with the ones who've already come over over the past three years? As governor of South Carolina, I um, we passed the toughest illegal immigration law in the country. President Obama sued us over it, and we won. Nine million illegal immigrants have come across that border. We had enough fentanyl cross the border last year that would kill every single American. Number one cause of death for adults 18 to 45, fentanyl. And don't think for a second China doesn't know what they're doing when they send it over. We need to do what we did in South Carolina and go national with it. We need a national e-verify program where businesses have to prove that the people they hire are in this country legally. We need to defund sanctuary cities once and for all. We need to put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. We need to go back to the Remain in Mexico policy so that no one steps foot on U.S. soil. And instead of catch and release, we need to go to catch and deport. But look at what happened last week. You had a border bill. Now, in that border bill, it strengthened asylum laws. We have to do that. Three million illegal immigrants came in under the Trump administration because our asylum laws aren't strong enough. The weak side was it didn't have Remain in Mexico. We need to have that. And it had a 5,000-person threshold. We don't even want a one-person threshold. The problem is Congress needs to get in a room and not leave until they come out with a strong border bill. But instead, they went home on vacation. And then Trump went and told Congress, don't pass anything until after the general election because it will hurt me. This is not about him. We can't wait one more day to pass a strong border bill. It has got to be done. So Congress needs to get in a room, figure it out, and not leave until they do that for the American people. And Trump needs to stay out of it, period. And for those who have come over, 
we've got to deport them. There's no way out of this. You have got to stop incentivizing people to come because all they do is call their family members and tell more to come. And, and you can look at what happened to University of Georgia student. She's not the first one to have had, to have lost her life from, you know, an illegal immigrant. We've got to start getting our law and order back in place. The GOP is divided. It, it, it really seems like it's in chaos. There's there's the only Trumpers and the never Trumpers. I'm not sure if Donald Trump lost this election that he wouldn't run again in 2028. And I'm not sure the only Trumpers wouldn't be there with him again. Uh, how can you specifically bring unity to this party? It's what I'm trying to do now. I am not never Trump. I voted for Donald Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. But the reality is chaos follows Donald Trump wherever he goes. And we can't be a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. And we, we can do better than two 80-year-old candidates running for president. We need a new generational leader that can put in eight years, day and night, to get things done with no drama, no vendettas, and start getting things back on track. But you look at what's happening under Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Under Joe Biden, it is not normal to have millions of illegal immigrants coming across the border and not stop them. It is not normal to sit there and have these wars around the world. It is not normal for you to call your opponents fascists. Hmm. Under Donald Trump, it is not normal that you mock the military. It's not normal to spend and campaign contributions on your personal court cases. It is not normal to side with Putin over our allies who stood with us after 9-11. I mean, look at the division that they are both causing. And Donald Trump calls his opponents vermin. This has got to stop. What I am saying is we are all Americans. And if Republicans don't realize that Donald Trump is pushing more people away from the party than bringing them in, if Republicans don't acknowledge the 40% he continues to lose, and you can look in South Carolina, these aren't Democrats, these are Republicans, then you are going to see a sinking ship. And it's going to be once again because Donald Trump. Look at the state of Michigan. There's no better example than this. Michigan was the shining star. I mean, I remember when Michigan was winning everything, when they won right to work, when they were winning every um, office seat. Now you look, they've lost the governor's office. They've lost the House. They've lost the Senate. And you've got a divided Republican Party. That all happened since Donald Trump came into the picture. Mm. And it's happening all over the country. The Republican Party is split. And as long as the Republican Party is split, you're going to see our country go the socialist route instead of getting our country back on track. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, appreciate Nikki Haley taking some time with uh, with all talk today. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I'll give you some of mine uh, coming up after the break, but I think there is something very interesting there, especially when it comes to Trump's involvement in the potential border bill that was torpedoed. Plus, what she said about pushing more people away from the GOP than bringing in. I think there's some some interesting stuff there. We'll talk about that next as we continue on, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Yeah, lots of different ways for you to listen. And we appreciate you listening however you listen. Uh, but if you missed any of our interviews, you can always go back WJR.com, thegreatvoice.com, uh, and you can listen to those interviews. I, I, I mentioned earlier in the, the story that we covered about 
the union participation, rank and file voters in not just tomorrow's primary, but in this election, because generally unions have have gone blue generally for many, many years, decades and decades. Democrats get that union support. But that doesn't always mean that the union members vote that way. I'm sure there are instances where rank and file workers vote a a particular way based on what the leadership of the union uh, has, has who they've thrown their support behind. But James Benson, who was quoted in a, a Washington post piece voted for Barack Obama twice and then switched to Donald Trump. It goes, I bring that up because of something that Nikki Haley told all talk today. And that is, Donald Trump is pushing more people away from the party than he's bringing in. And my question is, is that true? Maybe, maybe. I don't have the numbers to, to say one way or the other. Are there people that looked at Donald Trump's legal issues and said, I can't vote for him? Sure, I'm sure there are. Are there people that look at Joe Biden and say, if these are my choices, am I going to vote for Donald Trump? Yeah, I do. Now, is that Donald Trump bringing people in? No, not necessarily. But does it matter? It counts the same. Like this fallacy that Donald Trump is pushing people away. You know, those Republicans, those conservatives like the the Lincoln Project Republicans, those people, those people are Republicans. They're not leaving the party like Donald Trump is pushing them away from him. They're not pushing him or, or he's not pushing them away from the party. Like, I think there's a difference there. And and I think that when we are looking at what Nikki Haley is doing now, I think and, and look, not just Nikki Haley, everybody, everybody starts to, to come under a much more intense, much more magnified microscope at this point. Because now the, the choices are so far narrowed. Now the choices are, well, we're working with three to four people here. So now all of the attention, all the scrutiny starts coming down pretty, pretty tight. And, and for me, I mean, to say that Donald Trump is pushing more people away than, than he's bringing in, I'm not entirely sure that that's true. Also, there's no doubt Donald Trump got involved in this immigration bill. I don't know. I, I didn't at least I didn't see if he explicitly said that it was bad for his reelection efforts. Um, but this this the funding bill that was attached to to border funding, which was attached to money to Ukraine and Israel uh, and Taiwan. Uh, you know. I think that there is truth to Donald Trump not that not wanting that piece of legislation to get through particularly with the the immigration stuff in it but at the same time was that going to do the trick or were Repub- were republicans much like they have on a number of instances over the last 5 years where they get fleeced where they pass a bill thinking that it's going to benefit them and in reality it doesn't so I, I think that there's probably two sides to that fence there. 800-859-0957. Mark's in Livonia. Mark, you've been holding on a, a ton, uh, a long time. I appreciate the wait, my friend. All right. Um, I just want to remind folks that uh, what Donald Trump did for the, uh, the auto workers here in Michigan and across the country, really. The, the fact that gas prices were lower 
at a dollar eighty, and it went up to four, but now it's at like around three twenty. I'm spending one hundred and fifty dollars more a month on gas. So I, I fill up about once a week, and I have a truck that has a thirty-gallon tank. That would that might be the decision of me not buying another vehicle. The other thing is, but here's the important thing that people forget: when Donald Trump won the presidency in two fifteen, twenty fifteen. On the phone. Hello. Hey, Mark. I'm sorry. My wife was yelling at me. That's okay. I hope you <laughs> anyway. didn't do something wrong. No. Anyway, um, he flew here to Michigan before he was even sworn in. And he told uh, Bill Ford, he goes, look, I'm going to lower the corporate tax to 20%. It's mm-hmm. 41. And so he decided to keep the Wayne Assembly plant from going to Mexico. Well, I think there's like either five or 7,000 people that work there. And for every one job there creates another seven from all the other suppliers. And, you know, the amount of tax revenue that comes from just one plant, you know, uh, he really saved a lot of union jobs for that. And so the first thing that uh, Biden does, does ends everything that Trump did. Stop the Keystone pipeline. Gas yeah. went up to four dollars. I mean, just one thing after another. And it just it really hurt the automobile yeah. industry and this UV thing, the the EV thing that's that's hurting the automobile. So I don't know what these guys at the shop are thinking. Yeah, Mark, I I appreciate the call. Thank you. And yeah, I think there's something to be said for that, no doubt. Uh, Rod's in Plymouth. Hey, Rod. Well, it was great that Mark recalled everything that Trump did initially. Uh, even before he was elected. And that's true about churning an economy. The money that stays here, it gets filtered out seven other times, Mm -hmm. and that money churns in our country, and that's what helps to create our economy. But as far as Nikki Haley, and I'm glad that she voted for Trump twice, she's smart about that. But about Social Security, and use Social Security as a metaphor, unless we have bipartisanism and resolve these, Everything is going to go solvent unless we unless AI comes up with some super new <laughs> economic system. This country financially is going to collapse because that's all the Republicans and that's all the Democrats have been doing as a metaphor with Social Security yeah. for three decades. Yeah. The only thing is, is they've been warning us. Well, but yeah, but they don't do anything about it. Exactly. That's the we problem. Take it into our own hands, and everyone always says, "Well, you vote your leaders in." You know, uh, Trump's done a lot more for the American person, individual worker than what Joe Biden has. But Rod, but you know, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess it's it's tough in a in, from a voter's perspective, right? Because the voters put these people in office, but at the end of the day, if you're not getting the quality of candidate available like you're you this is the choice you're you're left with so that's why you know when these people are in office for so long these politicians are there for decades and nothing gets done because they don't have to every two years every seven six years when they need to your vote they come out they show their face and and they make sure that that they're around and, and they and they're seen um I'm painting with a bit of a broad brush, but for the most part, that's the template. And, and yeah, it does feel like oftentimes not, not enough is being done. Larry's in Clinton Township. Hey, Larry. Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, uh, I'm a Teamster truck driver, and um, I'm pretty sure that I heard this was the first time that Teamsters are endorsing a Republican. Did you hear that? 
Are they have they actually endorsed Donald Trump? Yeah, as I said, first time in history. Okay, so I didn't see that they actually endorsed him. And I don't know that it's the first time in history. Um, I I do know that they met. Donald Trump said that it went well. um, But I don't I don't know that they actually endorsed him. I got to find that. I'm pretty sure they did. I was just hoping you could confirm it. I, I will. Um, maybe one of so maybe uh, one of your other yeah, Larry. Here, here's what your... I got. Here's what I got for you. You ready? Uh, yeah. The Teamsters said that they were donating forty five grand to the Republican National Committee Convention Fund. Wow, uh, that is the first major donation to Republicans in two decades from from the Teamsters. Well, they're finally waking up. So th- there hasn't been an endorsement yet. And I actually, I'm not even uh, entirely sure that that check's cleared. Last time I saw it, it, it hadn't. But that was the intention. Yeah. Okay, thank All you. All right, you got it, Larry. All right, All right we got to take a break. More coming up next on JR Afternoon. All right, I want to squeeze Conrad in here. Uh, he's the last word on the day, and then we'll get to Steve Courtney. Hello, Conrad. Yeah, hi there. Thanks for hey, taking the call. You got it. Um, I remember Trump early on simplified regulations for businesses and made them able to hire more people, therefore. And he instituted a remain in Mexico policy uh, to uh, slow down the uh, illegal immigration. I didn't hear Nikki mention anything specific like that. He got rid of ISIS in seemingly five minutes. Remember how scary it was to see ISIS and what they might do and Everybody was afraid, and I, I think I would feel more secure in the world environment with Trump, therefore. And what he got for it in return was Russian collusion, uh, a scandal that they tried to perpetuate or perpetrate on him for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And every five minutes they were bringing up something new, and now we're going to get them. And uh, that's the chaos. That's a chaotic environment when you do stuff like that. And he wasn't creating that. So then what what is it about Nikki Haley that you wanted to mention? About Nikki Haley? Uh, Well, I think my big thing was the remain in Mexico policy. I know what Trump's going to do. It's specific. I I still don't know what she's going to do. Yeah, fair enough. No, and and that's fair. And again, I think the level of of office that they held uh, is is I mean, you can really see it with Donald Trump, right? You can you you know what he would do or or will do because he was already there. Nikki Haley hasn't had that job before, so it is certainly a leg up for Donald Trump over Nikki Haley in that sense. Conrad, I I appreciate the call. Thanks for holding. Uh, in the meantime, uh, it was a, a fun weekend uh, sports wise. It uh, you know, Steve Courtney joins us. Hello, Steve, and I hope you had a nice weekend. I did, Chris, and it's so very nice to hear your voice again. Yeah, yeah. That uh, dreaded neurovirus is the real deal. Um, I, I will say it, it feels good to be back in this spot uh, where a Red Wings team looks like they have the ability. I'm not going to talk silly here, but it looks like they have the ability to make a push. It looks like they have the ability to not only get into the playoffs, but not just be a doormat like they were towards the end of, of that run of making the, the playoffs. And it, it feels really good to be back in this spot as Red Wing fan. Yeah, no doubt about it there, Chris. Uh, first of all, our conversation 
Brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Yes, the winged wheelers are stacking some W's. More on that in just a bit. My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their TrueView inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Uh, what a great night for the winged wheelers for many reasons. Uh, when they were in Chicago last night. Uh, Folks, we are seeing a prolific duo uh, wearing the winged wheel uh, in Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett. Uh, Kane, by the way, scored on a breakaway 143 into overtime in his triumphant return to Chicago, giving the Red Wings that 3-2 win over the Blackhawks last night. Now, Patrick Kane, we know. He's now 35 years of age. Uh, spent a long time uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, 16 seasons, as a matter of fact. Uh, Some of the time there in the Windy City was spent with the aforementioned Alex DeBrinckit. Meanwhile, uh, there was a little subplot going on. Uh, The Hall of Fame defenseman, you know him, Chris Chelios, had his number seven jersey retired in a pregame ceremony. Uh, Chelios, as we know, spent some time with the winged wheelers, had some amazing things to say in the uh, pregame festivities uh, about Alex DeBrinkett and uh, DeBrinkett, or uh, rather Patrick Kane. Uh, there was a nice video board presentation uh, during the game and uh, left Mr. Kane rather emotional. Uh, it was a powerful call from Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. Let's run it here, shall we? Oh, I thought Look out here! Look at this! Look at this! Top center ice! It's Patrick Kane in Chicago! He's oh, oh my God! Kane with the overtime winner! The Red Wings win it 3-2! The story is complete on Kane's return to Chicago! That's a great call. Isn't it something? I mean, uh, you talk about storybook stuff there, Chris. And uh, back to DeBrinckit in his stay with the Blackhawks. He was very effective, scoring 160 goals in five seasons before he was traded to Ottawa in July of 2022. Uh, But you're right. This Red Wing team uh, is on to something special. Uh, They've got 70 points right now. They have won five in a row. And last week on the album show, uh, we had a nice chat. Uh, with head coach Derek Lalonde, and he said, of course, we're talking about the playoffs uh, for all the right reasons. He really likes this hockey club. Uh, He came in uh, and asked them to uh, intensify their work on the defensive side, and he's uh, right there. They're getting some nice goaltending. Mr. Reimer last night uh, had himself a night finishing with 33 stops, and uh, look, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's one thing to end a seven-year postseason drought, um, but this Red Wing team is very competitive. Right now, they've got 70 points, only four points behind third-place Toronto in yeah. what is one of the more uh, competitive divisions in all of hockey, that being the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference. So uh, this Red Wing team skating with a hell of a lot of confidence right now. Somebody else has been uh, working with confidence today, Ken Brown. He's been carrying around a replica Stanley Cup all day with him. It's been unbelievable. That's right. Burger well, King that's Stanley Kenny. Cup. That's Kenny. That's right. Unbelievable. Uh, Steve's got the picture back at his office of the Stanley Cup. I know. He's looking at it every day like it's going to happen soon. Uh, Funny story. Uh, So when I was in fourth grade, 97, they were just coming off the cup run. Uh, Nick Lidstrom lived in Novi, grew up in Novi. 
and he brought the Stanley Cup to my elementary school because his kid went to, I think he was in kindergarten or something at the mm-hmm. time, brought the Stanley Cup to to my elementary school, and we're all waiting in line for it, and I go up and I kiss it. And all the all my friends, everybody was like, because they would just go up and touch it. They're like, what? why did you just kiss it? I'm like, it's a Stanley Cup. It's what you do. And they're like, you don't kiss it. I'm like, yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> it's exactly what you do. So now I can never win the Stanley Cup. Uh, that Stanley Cup's been a lot of places. I hate to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were a kid at the time. But what, was the, the uh, what was the name of the kid, Chris, that threw an octopus at you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I never saw him again after that. I've never seen a most used-up piece of um, trophy work ever. Is that Stanley oh, Cup? That thing's God. been everywhere. It's great. And done everything. It's awesome. I know. It's just... Hey, uh, do I have a hot second to get yeah, your real opinion? Quick. Both I got, you I got uh, three seconds. Uh, a quick sidebar. Why hasn't the NCAA uh, outlawed court storming yet? Can anybody answer that question? You know well, what? I, yeah. We're going to have Jay Billis on today. Oh, are you? So we'll talk about that. But uh, really, do we have to outlaw everything in life? Yes. Okay. Court storming. Okay. Uh, For the one unfortunate athlete over. that gets it out of 50,000 times. You know what? I'm glad court storming goes around for you a D here the other day. The other day with right, that guy. Right. Nobody got hurt with that guy. <laughs> That's right. Not a single That's soul. Right. Try not to lose the game next time. Yeah. All right, Stevie. Good stuff. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, my friend. All right. What do we got coming up, KB? Uh, like I said, we got Jay, Jay Billis. Billis, and we're going to talk about the uh, elections tomorrow. We're going to talk about what happened last week in uh, Trump's uh, black outreach. Oh, good. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stay tuned now. Did you album cover next? <laughs>